Hello and welcome to Ag PhD Radio, broadcasting from the Morton studio today. I'm Darren Hefty along with my brother Brian. We're going to be talking about corn diseases on today's show. And we'll also be taking your calls and questions throughout at 844-44-AG-PHD. Or you can always email us, radio at agphd.com. You know, we, we talk a lot about weed control. We talk a lot about soil fertility here. And sometimes we even talk about insect protection. But, man, diseases can come along. And like last year, Brian, I don't know if there were any more disappointed farmers than the ones that we talked to late in the season that said, man, tar spot stole 50 bushel for me. Tar spot stole 60 bushel for me. It was really alarming, some of the big yield losses to this troublesome disease, but there are other diseases out there too. Yeah, I think tar spot's a good place to start because this disease hasn't even been around for 10 years now. And already, in my opinion, it's surpassed gray leaf spot. It's surpassed southern rust. It's definitely surpassed northern corn leaf blight as the worst yield robber in corn if you get it. And the other problem with it is the timing can vary a little bit from year to year and area to area. So many of the people we were talking to last fall that said, hey, they had good luck with fungicides, they were talking about making an application before tassel, whereas a lot of people for years are spraying at tassel timing. So you had to go in before tassel, and then you had to come back about three weeks later and spray again. So it's a little frustrating that we have a disease that's so bad and we don't have varieties that are great on it at this point that we know of that you have to go out and spray a fungicide twice, but that's kind of where we are with tar spot. The other problem with it is it's moving further west every year. I'm afraid we're going to get it in South Dakota this year. It hit Minnesota and Nebraska last year. So, yeah, it's a, it, it's a troublesome one. Now, it's not in every corn-growing state yet, but we believe it'll spread there eventually and potentially very soon. You know, one other thing too, and we, we get talking about these foliar diseases, but there are a lot of other problems that we have too. There's a lot of seed and seedling diseases where we see a big difference in seed brands that are on the market today. Some have literally the cheapest seed treatment option they can put on just so they have a yep. seed treatment that basically colors their seed. Uh, I'm not saying there's nothing in it, but it's very low rate, oftentimes just one or maybe two fungicides and the lowest rate possible of an insecticide, and that's it. And then there's others that are putting on four modes of action and and the newest things out there, the best products they can possibly find. There's such a discrepancy in seed corn seed treatment protection that I don't think farmers really pay enough attention to that. Definitely not. Nope. All you hear is, oh, I'm I'm looking for this variety. And then there are also some companies out there publishing when, you know, one company versus the next uh, has a, the same or a similar hybrid. Well, that doesn't tell you much. Quite frankly, I'm more interested in the seed treatment than I am the variety most of the time. Seriously. If you do the right thing for your soils, variety is not as important as the seed treatment. So I'd also look at, you mentioned fungicides, but I, I'm concerned about the insecticide seed treatment, and I'm, I'm really concerned about, okay, well, what are we doing for biologicals on that seed? Because, for example, the seed corn we're planting in our farm, we got about roughly 30 biologicals there, and we're able to pop the seed out of the ground 10 to 20% faster and if we don't have that, well, that's a big deal. 
As far as the insecticide seed treatment, I look at that too. I'm really worried about losing the neonics, and that's basically about all we have for seed treatment insecticide right now. I'm worried because we have some people spraying the neonics post, and we might have more people doing that now that Laura's ban is gone. Don't spray the neonics post because then we're going to lose them if there gets to be any bee kill. Literally, the state of Oregon had one bee kill, one from the use of a neonic post. And what happens? They ban neonics. You can't even get a neonic seed treatment for any crop in the state of Oregon. That's a joke. I, I mean, can you imagine planting your corn or your soybeans or wheat or any crop with no insecticidal seed treatment? No way. That's a big-time yield robber. So, and part of the reason why it's a big-time yield robber is because it impacts the disease uh, it, diseases that can enter your crop. So what I'm saying is if bugs are allowed to feed on your crop, now you absolutely will have more disease than enters in. Anytime there's an open wound, it's just like for you or me, if we get a cut on our body, what do we do? We talk about disinfecting that cut, bandaging it up. We don't want to expose that cut. Well, your plants don't have that luxury. You get any cut, any opening, any feeding from an insect, and now you're going to have disease enter in. So, yeah, I'm very concerned about many of the things we've talked about already, everything from tar spot to the other diseases, uh, seed treatment issues, possibly losing neonics. I mean, there's a lot going on here. And part of the reason why I'm as concerned as I am is because I look at 2022 as this could be potentially the best year many farms ever have. If you can have a great yield and there's a really good price, oh, my God goodness, it's going to be fun. It sure would be. But, you know, there are a lot of challenges, as you mentioned. we got about a minute left here. One last question that we get quite often is, hey, I'm doing reduced tillage. I'm using cover crops. I'm trying to do the right things to build soil health, but I'm seeing more disease problems. What do you recommend for those guys in reduced till and utilizing cover crops? Yep. That's just the way it's going to be. You're going to see more disease with less tillage uh, and potentially with using cover crops as well. So I would just say start with a good seed treatment, and then you're going to want to spray at least once, most likely foliar. All depends on what the weather looks like and, and the diseases present in your area. So that's where a lot of people want to talk about scouting. I'm not a big believer in that for disease control because you've got to spray before you see that disease taking hold in your crop. Otherwise, by that point, you've already lost a bunch of yield. Yeah, there are a lot of things to think about going into this year, and I agree with you. It's an opportunity for farmers to have a very profitable year, but it's a lot more than just getting the fertility piece right and getting seed in the ground. It's protecting it all the way from planting until harvest, and we're talking about corn diseases on today's show, and like you say, there can be diseases in the soil. There can be diseases that impact that young seed and seedling. And they can catch you late in the year like Tar Spot did last year for a lot of guys. So if you have any questions, our phone lines are open at 844-44-AG-PHD. Or you can email us, radio at agphd.com. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. This is a wake-up call for you and your field's microbiome from Source by Sound Agriculture. Source is a revolutionary foliar-applied biochemistry that doesn't rely on bulky nutrients or finicky biologicals to wake up your soil and unlock more nutrients per acre, all with a low use rate. It's like caffeine for microbes. Source works with the soil you've already got and the equipment you already use. So if you're a grower, go to sound.ag and learn more. And if you're a microbe, time to rise and shine. What do you think of when you hear Palmer Amaranth or Water Hemp? 
If you use fierce herbicide in your soybean fields, you don't have to think about them at all. With two effective modes of action and up to eight weeks of residual control, Fierce takes on even the toughest weeds like water hemp and Palmer amaranth. Take control of your soybean fields and get incentives from Bayer Plus Rewards when you choose the power of Fierce herbicide. Talk to your local retailer today to put Fierce to work in your fields. Always read and follow label directions. Boost your productivity and profitability with Soil Warrior from Environmental Tillage Systems. Improve fertilizer efficiency and your yield potential in just one strip-till pass. Now that's ROI. Contact us today at SoilWarrior.com. Conditioning low-moisture beans to 13% can add semi-loads to your bottom line. And with our 13 for 13 year-end special, make 13% beans possible with 13% off an end-zone bin system. Use promo code 13for13 at farmshopmfg.com. Go long for season-long foliar disease protection that starts at plant. Only Zyway brand fungicides from FMC provide season-long inside-out foliar disease protection. A single at-plant application provides comparable performance in corn yield protection to that of VT to R1 foliar fungicides against diseases like gray leaf spot, northern corn leaf blight, and more. Visit your FMC retailer or zyway.ag.fmc.com to learn more. Always read and follow all label directions. Welcome back. You're listening to Ag PhD Radio. Thanks for joining us today. If you're in the upper Midwest, it's a cold winter day today and a good day to, to be inside. Good day to be doing some planning for next year. And I know one of the questions that have been, has been very popular for us here this fall and winter has been disease control. And there are some tough ones out there. We saw more fusarium crown rot last year than I've seen for, well, really ever. Uh, definitely saw a big expansion of the area covered by tar spot. It came way over into the state of Iowa and Minnesota, and that's kind of alarming. And even the growers in Nebraska are alarmed. Of course, that that means South Dakota is probably next. So we're a little bit alarmed here for our farm, and we want to know how to manage that. But there are a lot of tough diseases out there. So today we're going to have our phone lines open all throughout the show at 844 44 ag phd we're going to bring on some experts to try to help with this too we've got jordan arndall on right now he's a technical agronomist with the calvasgar over in indiana jordan thanks for joining us hey thanks for having me all right when we're talking about disease control i'm sure this is no new subject for you you guys have been fighting some of these tough things uh, for a while now talk to us about the top three or five corn diseases that you're most concerned about and then if you got any sleepers that you say all right most guys aren't asking about this but if i was farming this is one i'd be managing for as well we'd love you to have you throw that in too sure sure no and i appreciate the question so you know you you mentioned the tar spot uh that's obviously been a very hot topic especially in southern indiana the territory that i cover uh so that's one that is definitely uh in front of all of our minds and and management is uh, at the front of our minds as well. Um, Southern rust, that is another one that, you know, we're a little bit more acclimated and understand that a little bit more in depth than we do tar spot, but it's something that we continue to battle. And then crown rot. I, I think that crown rot is one that you said, you mentioned that we saw more be more prolific this year. Uh, we saw that in Southern Indiana as well. So those are the three uh, real hot disease topics that, that we're really talking about and trying to clue in on. Uh, another one that uh, that has been uh, here recently talked more about would be physoderma. 
specifically the, the leaf lesions, not necessarily stalk rot, but physoderma uh, leaf lesions or physoderma blight. Okay, I get a chance to talk to corn breeders from really all the big breeding companies, and I know that the breeders at Bear have been talking about this one for a number of years. I know they've been doing a lot of work in conjunction with the universities on physoderma and just trying to raise awareness of this one because, man, we've, we have seen this growing, and we have seen even a few farmers starting to take notice of, man, i got to pick hybrids for this, and we're seeing better hybrids coming along. I, I'm betting that, that you're looking at next year's crop of hybrids already saying, oh, man, I can breathe a sigh of relief here. we got more and more options for physoderma. Yeah, certainly. So, you know, physoderma is one of those diseases that we don't have a rating system for yet, right? Uh, it's a relatively new disease, fairly similar to tar spot in the, in the thought process that it's a newer disease. You don't see scores coming from not only DeKalb, NASCAR, or any other seed company, to my knowledge, out there. But it's definitely certain that we're able to look at different hybrids and say, okay, this one's able to mitigate this disease better, and this one doesn't mitigate this disease as well. And so we are starting to select and make those notes and select those, not only for breeding, but also for placement on the farms. Uh, the other thing that I would say is we're using fungicides early season. And what I mean by early season is typically that second herbicide pass. We're putting a low, the lower rate of Delaro or Stratego into that first or that second herbicide pass. And we're seeing really good uh, reduction in the level of physoderma that we're seeing on the leaves. That's also giving us quite a bit of help to tar spot. So that, that application of Delaro or Stratego in the second herbicide application is killing killing two birds for two birds with one stone for us. so seeing really good efficacy on that application specifically against those two diseases. Okay, crown rot is one that that uh, for a lot of growers this is their first time really seeing a huge issue. Uh, what are you telling those guys? I, I know we get out to do some field evaluations for growers that said, "Man, help me out here. I don't know what's going on." And we just couldn't believe it. And the growers said, man, I've never seen that like that before. Uh, what happened? What made last year so bad? And then what can we do to manage it for next year? So what made last year so bad for Crown Run was in a lot of the places, we didn't necessarily mud the seed in, but we did get significant rainfall shortly after planting. And so that kind of sets the stage for significant amounts of crown rot. The other thing that happened was we had a fairly mild summer, and then all of a sudden, there around the second week of August, things turned off really dry, and then it got what I would consider abnormally hot. All right, and so when we, when we take into what happened in the spring, that was the, set the stage perfectly for that crown rot infection to infect the plant. And then we were able to see it manifest itself later on in the corn's life cycle because it was probably made more predominant or more noticeable by that heat and drought that we experienced in August. And so I think that's why we took so much note of it. That's why we saw some hybrids have some premature deaths, things like that. And you could almost track it to where the heavier soils were, where those significant rainfalls earlier in the season played more of, uh, played more of a factor into that disease. Uh, so what I'm thinking in, and here in Southern Indiana, all of our DeKalb corns are coming out with that enhanced disease control, the EDC. So that's a higher rate of fungicide on the seeds that we're planting. And we are seeing a, a very significant advantage to that in terms of fighting crown rot. And so we are, we're looking further into so how we can manage this disease other than we're using the enhanced disease control seed treatment. We're looking into not planting into such 
cold, wet soils. We're looking at what the forecast looks like after or before we plant. So if I'm going to plant on Tuesday, what's the weather looking like out into Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday to come, right? So we want to give those plants or those hybrids the best start that we can. All right. Now you mentioned tar spot and southern rust, and I think of both of those as late season diseases. And do you see uh, guys getting to tassel and thinking, I might be in the clear this year, only to be surprised later? Is this something where we just need planned applications around tassel time for these two diseases, or do you see each one a little bit differently? So I see each one a little bit differently, and I'll tell you why. So when I first saw tar spot, I'll never forget. It was 2018. I was living in Lafayette, Indiana, working as a technical agronomist for, at the time, Monsanto. And I saw tar spot. Now, I'm originally from uh, northwestern Kentucky, so southern rust I'm fairly familiar with. And when I first saw tar spot, I thought, wow, this looks like black southern rust, uh, black flecks everywhere, and then it just absolutely wreaked havoc. Um, and so I, I had that mindset of thinking of those and those fungicide applications fairly similarly. Fast forward to 2021, this past season, I specifically had a few plots throughout southern Indiana that I did not spray with fungicide. And the reason I wanted to is I was trying to come up with a grading system for our particular decal hybrids, right? I wanted to know what can mitigate this disease a little bit better. Not necessarily resistance, but which one just battled the disease a little bit better naturally than some of the others so that I could indicate to our customers, hey, this is good on tar spot, this one not so much, and this would help us make decisions of, hey, maybe we need to be making this early season fungicide application when we make our second post-application of herbicide, or maybe this one could wait to tassel. Just trying to figure out that management. And so what I can tell you was tar spot is not as late a season of a disease as we originally thought, or I don't, or as I originally thought. So I was able to find tar spot on every hybrid, including competitors, in a plot that I had in Davies County, Indiana, so pretty far south, on July 30th. Oh, boy. All right. Now, what that tells me, is this this disease, tar spot specifically has a latency period up to 21 days, right? So if I'm finding it on July 30th, who's to say that it wasn't there on July 25th? Yep. And so we're looking at potential infection of tar spot in southern Indiana, very far southern Indiana, in my opinion, around July 4th. I was going to say, now don't ruin our July 4th celebration, Jordan. Come on. Give, I, give us the 4th. Say the 5th at least. To. No, see, and, and, well, and I, I go back to that because people can remember that. If I found this the end of July, there's a good, there's a good potential that that infection happened around Fourth of July. The other great thing about that is what is happening around Fourth of July. We're making that post-herbicide application of our corn, and so if we're aware of how prolific this disease has the potential to be, causing premature deaths, uh, exasperating crown rots things of that sort. When we're out there making that post-application around that same July 4th period, making that making that low rate of fungicide application when we spray that herbicide, uh, we could see daylight and dark differences. Absolutely. That's uh, that's a good tip because we got to be out in front of these diseases. Jordan, we're up against a breaker. If you can hang on, i got a couple more questions for you right after this. You're listening to Ag PhD Radio. AgroLiquid is precision crop nutrition. That means being committed to product performance, to research and field testing, and to superior agronomics. Most of all, AgroLiquid is committed to delivering precisely the right nutrition in the right way, including seed-safe planter plus side dress applications and foliar applications with low burn risk. AgroLiquid. Apply less. Expect more. 
Find a retailer at agroliquid.com. What's new from New Farm? Leopard Herbicide brings you exceptional planting flexibility for soybeans, field corn, and cotton. Leopard provides your spray plans with a fall or early spring option to boost resistance management. And did we mention it's a highly compatible tank mix partner due to its ultra-low use rate? Ask your dealer for Leopard Herbicide. Available for fall. How can you make more profit from your soybeans this year? Hype Darren Hefty will give you the answer to that question at a free Ag PhD Soybean Agronomy Workshop. It's Tuesday, February 15th at the Morton Center near Baltic, South Dakota. We'll dive deep on topics such as pest control, resistance issues, herbicide traits, fertility, cleaning up white mold, and more. If you want to make raising beans more lucrative and fun, you don't want to miss the free Ag PhD Soybean Agronomy Workshop. Learn more at agphd.com. And while you're there, check out the other Ag PhD events we have coming up in January and February, including agronomy workshops in corn and wheat, a tiling clinic, two days dedicated to soils, plus a whole day devoted to natural and biological products. There's a lot of great information here, and we can't wait to share it with you. To learn more about these events and register, go to agphd.com. This message is for all the corn and soybean growers out there who aren't made of money. If you're using a fungicide other than Zolera FX from UPL, you should know that no corn and soybean fungicide gives you a better return on investment, period. Zolera FX has two high-performance actives delivered at full rates for maximum performance and ROI in corn and soybeans. To see the data, go to ZoleraFX.com and always read and follow label directions. Weeds rob you of yield potential, so rob them of the chance to grow with powerful corn herbicide solutions from Corteva AgriScience. Weeds won't know what hit them, but you will. Because you can count on all the top corn herbicide products, including Resicor, SureStart 2, and Keystone NXT, to effectively control weeds, you can spend less time worrying about unwanted yield-robbing plants and power on. Learn more at poweroverweeds.com power. Keystone NXT is a restricted-use pesticide. You're listening to Ag PhD Radio. Thanks for joining us today. We're talking about corn diseases here in the Morton studio and taking your calls and questions at 844-44-AG-PHD. Got Jordan Arndahl on right now with us over in southern Indiana as a technical agronomist for DeKalb Asgro. But when Jordan said, I grew up down in Kentucky, I thought, oh, okay, we're going to have some southern rust questions for him. Uh, so we're talking about tar spot a little bit before the break here and and uh, Jordan is trying to ruin my 4th of July celebration, saying I probably need to get the fungicide on before then to have a little bit of protection because it gets started into plants earlier than we thought. How about southern rust, Jordan? You, you've been around that one for a long time, and I know you mentioned it looks kind of similar to tar spot, but it's different, and, and you can tell. Talk to us about that, what the difference is, and just how they look, and then how you'd manage southern rust. No, certainly. So, you know, southern rust, it obviously catches a ride up from South America and New Mexico area. So it's not able to overwinter here. Uh, tar spot, however, is able to overwinter here. Um, the other, you know, obvious differences is tar spot uh, creates a black lesion on, on the leaf 
uh, corn plants and you're not really able to scratch it off, right? So you can feel it as it is a raised lesion, but it doesn't enable, you're not able to rub, rub that off. However, if you work through a field of corn that's infected severely with southern rust, you can come out almost looking orange, right? That stuff will obviously rub off on you. And so, um, you know, th those are the big things. And so I know that tar spot can overwinter. So I, I believe as as we continue to build uh, that inoculum bank of southern or tar spot, we can expect to see, continue to see it and potentially see more of it. Now, just like all diseases, it's going to be weather dependent on how significant that disease pressure is. Um, and southern rust is very similar in that way also. However, we have to wait for the right, right weather events to bring us southern rust. So, uh you know, that, that is one of the huge key differences for me is one overwinters here, one doesn't overwinter here. Yep, makes a big difference. All right, so we talked about tar spot, southern rust, and crown rot, and I love it. Jordan threw in physoderma. Good move. Uh, really appreciate all the info today, Jordan. Thank you so much for being on. Hey, thanks for having me. I enjoyed it. Let's head a little bit further east. We've got our friend Kevin Matthews over in North Carolina. Now, Kevin, Jordan talked about all the disease they've got over in Indiana. Is is North Carolina as big a deal, is disease a, as big a concern for you in corn? Yeah, absolutely. We're we're blessed not to have to deal with tar spots yet. I hope they'll keep that in Indiana. I'd hate to take anything from those guys. <laughs> I agree with you. I hope they can keep a lot of it over there too. Actually, I hope they just solve it so they can kill this stuff and and it doesn't have to spread all over. But I I don't know if that that's possible. Yeah, it's um it'd be a challenge. It's a challenge, but um, a lot of good technology and real smart people working on it. So hopefully they'll get a handle on that pretty quick. Yeah, I like that they're working on hybrid tolerance to a lot of these things, too. And I, and I realize some of these diseases like southern corn leaf blight and gray leaf spot have been around forever. And they've got some hybrids that tolerate it a little better, but you still end up having to have some extra protection out there. So how do you look at this whole fungicide game? Are you looking at, I've got to protect everything from day one? Or are you more into, well, i got to wait till that, that ear leaf is out, and that's when I'm really starting to try to protect? Yeah, we're we're pretty much, you know, day one. Um, we're in this river valley, and the, the humid environment here in the south, um, you know, a lot of your disease testing is done up towards Andrews, just west of me. We've done a lot here on our operation, and uh, Neighbors has done a lot. So it's pretty cool because we get to see a lot of the firsthand stuff. A lot, we see a lot of stuff that don't ever make it commercial. And, um, but every once in a while, you'll get a good product out there, um, like Veltima, Delardo, different ones that do a good job for us. Um, so, um, yeah, it's, it's a full season deal and, and absolutely you want to protect the air leaf, but you got to remember many, many of those diseases are starting down low and they migrate up the stalk and they can do it quite rapidly if the environment's conducive to it. Yeah, yeah, I agree with you. They they do. We do see a lot of things that uh, just work their way up the plant. And I know in wheat, and I always uh, do a lot of comparisons between corn and wheat because there there are some some pretty good similarities. People will say, well, you know, slower leaves not as important for yield. And I agree, it's not as important as the the flag leaf in wheat or the ear leaf in corn, but it still puts more stress on the plant. And I, I just hate seeing that plant have stress. Everybody that we talk to, and, and I would include you in that conversation too, because I know we've, we've talked about this too. When that plant's under stress, you're not making any more yield, you're losing yield. 
no, you're not. And, you know, whether you're in agriculture or working a public job or whatever your case may be, how many of you are willing to lose one, two, three, four, five percent of your paycheck each week? Um, not many. And that's the same as it is. You got thresholds, but the the biggest thing is you is you've got to keep that plant so healthy and uh and happy to do good and it's gonna get enough stresses on its own. If we can prevent a stress with a fungicide application, uh, you know, we're going to do it on our farm. I hope most people do. Now, you mentioned a couple of products there, Veltima and Delaro, and I knew the new. I know the new Delaro Complete is out, and there's there's just getting to be more fungicides coming, and it seems like some of these new ones they might be a little higher priced. I'll give you that. But they seem to be doing a little better job, and I, I know you're always looking at things. Are you finding the same thing? Yeah, we went through um, Extreme Ag. We had tremendous amounts of um, data out there and test plots. Um, Zyway had that um, work. Zyway actually performed very well in a 2 by 2 application. It was a disaster in furrow. Absolutely wouldn't recommend that. The the Veltima, uh, the Delaro Complete, those where they got you know triple modes of action, they just seem to do really, really well. But now, Darren, on the other hand, in situations where we got very light disease pressure, we've seen extremely good results with our headline amp because we knew we had light disease, but we still was able to get that stress mitigation component in there at a very economical price. So there's certainly some options out there, but those those triple modes of actions, are they're pretty interesting. Yeah, I would agree with you, and not just in corn. I, I think we've seen some really good results in wheat and in, in soybeans and other crops, too, so that's been been fun. I know Brian mentioned earlier about seed treatments, and then we were talking with Jordan Arndell, and he was talking about, man, that seed treatment piece is big, and we're seeing some companies utilizing a little higher load of fungicide and some of these newer products in the, the seed treatment fungicide, too. What do you see with that? Do you see a big difference in seed treatments where you farm well you know we've got our own commercial trader so we've done some crazy stuff playing and um yes there there's a lot of opportunity there but but you've got to be very careful you better have a real good sharp guy like rob fritz in the background to uh Make sure you ain't going to do something and really mess things up <laughs> well he's the guy <laughs> that you, comes you, up with some of those crazy ideas kevin yeah, he's pretty sharp though. I have to tell, I have to hand it to him. Don't want him to get too big ahead, but uh, you know, you need you need someone in your area that you know is reputable and um, really knows this stuff to make sure you get the right treatment for the right uh, game you're wanting to play and the area you're wanting to protect on that plant and 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 that fits your environment. Yeah, absolutely. You got to know what you're doing out there. And on these experiments and some of the things that we try, we always talk about it for our own farm, but we'd recommend it for anybody. Just start small on some of these experiments. Don't need to experiment with the whole farm and have some big disaster. And uh, we're talking to a guy here who does a lot of trial work and and likes to see what's going to work, what's going to give a good return on investment. Because I've been to your farm, Kevin. I know what you're talking about, those river valleys and the hills that you've got in there. My goodness, it's just an area where you know you're going to have some disease problems year in and year out. Uh, Kevin, thank you so much. Really appreciate having you on today, and, and good luck to you here with the rest of the winter. Yes, sir. Thank you all, and I hope you all have a great season. You bet. Thanks. 
Yeah, one thing that will ensure we have a great season season is great disease control in our cornfields. Now, you may be saying, oh, man, you guys are in South Dakota. You don't get that much rain. We do get a lot of stress, though. And uh, we were talking about it just this morning. It was 50 degrees yesterday, and this morning it was negative 3. So things change quick, and we, we've had years, just the last couple of years, where we get good rains, and then all of a sudden it stops, and we're just hot and bone dry, and it's a lot of stress on the crop. When we're talking about controlling disease, we're also talking about taking as much stress off the crop as we can. We'll discuss it more coming up right after this. Morton Buildings knows that great buildings need great people, and we want you to be the newest member of our team. Morton is expanding its construction crew, and we're seeking new and experienced candidates to fill our crew member positions. Morton provides great pay and training, so be a part of the next generation to build Morton. Don't let the opportunity to join the best construction crew in the business pass you by. Learn more on our careers page at mortonbuildings.com. Farming is probably the most natural thing for a person to do. It taught me how to take pride in my work, how to put something ahead of myself, whether it was getting up early to feed the livestock or working late to bring in the harvest. Farming taught me to give it my best no matter the job. My name is Tanner. I'm a farmer. I work for Case IH. Case IH, built by farmers. It takes a team to beat resistant weeds. Experts agree using multiple herbicides with alternate modes of action increases your chances of beating resistant weeds. Tough 5EC is a selective contact herbicide for post-emergence control of broadleaf weeds, especially herbicide-resistant strains. Tough 5EC is a perfect teammate, having a synergistic effect with HPVD inhibitors and enhances products in the PS2 group. Make Tough 5EC part of your winning team. Ask your local retailer about Tough 5EC or visit BelchamUSA.com. Always read and follow label instructions. We now bring you an important news bulletin. This just in from Live Action News. Innovation has come to the world of Burndown. New Elevore herbicide controls your toughest weeds. Even glyphosate and ALS-resistant weeds like mare's tail and henbit. Talk with your retailer about Elevore herbicide today and ask how you can start elevating your Burndown. What do you think of when you hear Palmer, Amaranth, or Water Hemp? If you use Fierce Herbicide in your soybean fields, you don't have to think about them at all. With two effective modes of action and up to eight weeks of residual control, Fierce takes on even the toughest weeds like Water Hemp and Palmer Amaranth. Take control of your soybean fields and get incentives from Bayer Plus Rewards when you choose the power of Fierce Herbicide. Talk to your local retailer today to put Fierce to work in your fields. Always read and follow label directions. Heat, drought, wind, hail, northern corn leaf blight, gray leaf spot. If your corn is under stress, you are too. Get Veltima fungicide, swift activity, with fast payback, an expanded application window. Makes life simple, and it's the secure choice. With powerful residual for visibly healthier corn. Swift, simple, secure. Veltima fungicide. Call your BASF rep today. Always read and follow label directions. Veltima fungicide is not registered in all states. Talking corn disease control on today's Ag PhD radio program. We're broadcasting from the Morton studio today and taking your calls and questions at 844 
844-AG-PHD. Real happy to have Sam Lockhart on with us right now. He works with FMC up in North Dakota. Sam, thanks for joining us. Well, thank you, Darren. Appreciate being on. All right, I got lots of questions for you because uh, a lot of folks don't Uh-oh. realize all the fungicides that FMC's got and all the work get, that you folks have been doing on disease control. And today we're talking about corn, but certainly you've got got products that work in other crops as well. Uh, the one we got in the most questions about, I bet you can guess what this one is, Sam, Zyway. We've got a lot of growers saying, Zyway. man. Zyway really, really performed last year for a lot of guys. And so that gets guys excited that, well, I did a small amount of acres last year. Should I do the whole farm this year? What are the cautions? What'd you learn from Zyway last year? Well, Zyway is a real hot button for a lot of guys. Um, we got a pretty good launch last year. A lot of guys took a look at it, you know, split some field. Pretty good launch, Sam. A million acres? A million acres is a lot more than a pretty good launch. Well, corn, you know, there's what hundred million acres, so that's yeah, that's that's a pretty good start. But uh, a lot of guys took a look at it and really liked what they what they saw with the product. So it was flexible, it was easy. Uh, they put it down with their liquid fertilizer, most of them. Um, just had really outstanding results, and and really came back to us at the end of the year and said, you know, I really like this product. How how can I make it fit in my operation? You know, what can I do? Um, I really like the disease control I get out of it. Um, I don't have to come back with foliar application of fungicides. This this is a, this is a good, good unique product for a lot of guys. So they're, they're excited about it, Darren. Yeah, yeah, I would say so. Uh, I know that for us, for our farm, we're, we're always thinking about northern corn leaf blight. That's probably the biggest one that we have troubles with here. But sure. I know there's a lot of guys that have gray leaf spot. And then certainly when you think about smut and common rust and some of the different diseases that, that we're seeing some significant help from Zyway, what did you see in terms of, of smut and rust and some of these that don't get talked about very much, but can certainly be a nuisance and a yield robber too? Well, if you think about northern corn leaf blight, you know, it's those lower leaves that get infected first. So if you think about a foliar application, it sometimes is very, very hard to move move a product or a foliar application down to get get to those lower leaves. That's where Zyway shines. It comes in, it's already there. So most of these fungicides are preventative. It's If the Zyway is coming up the roots uh, throughout the growing season, it's already there. So when the disease comes in and attack, it's it's going to control it. So if you think about smut, you know, that's, that's one that really doesn't get controlled by any fungicide out there. And it's really a problem, you know, guys really look at varieties and that sort of thing to kind of get around that. But um, really good luck on, on smut control. Um, from what I saw last year, you know, certain varieties really get attacked by that and, and it did a nice job. The other one, Darren, that doesn't get talked a whole lot about and is in every field is really in an epidemic is stock rots. Um, there isn't really any control for the stock rots. You know, if you think about Fusarium stock rot or Anthracnose stock rots, they're pretty much in every field. You know, it's really a variety selection that, that you're going after there to, to, uh, to alleviate some of that stress on that plant. But Xylay actually did a really, really good job on controlling those stock rots and allowing the growers to, to harvest a lot better. You know, their corn wasn't laying in a heap. And they weren't able to, you know, a lot of guys were, were combined in one way sometimes when, when stock rots really come in and, and lay the corn over. Um, they really had excellent luck with with the stock rot control with Zyway. That's what I was really excited about this last year. So, 
Yeah, yeah, that is very, uh, very exciting news. And I know when we talk about, well, what are we labeled for and what are we seeing in the field? I'm pretty comfortable talking about what we're seeing in the field. I, I have given a couple of FMC folks a hard time on the show, but man, what did you guys see on tar spot? Because I did see some tar spot out mm-hmm. in Zyway treated fields, but I saw a lot less than the untreated checks. So I, I know there's something there about getting that protection out early keeping that crop healthy through the season. It just allows the crop to fight the disease off the best it can too. Yeah, I think, I think you're onto something there, Darren. You know, if you look at tar spots really moving in from our, what, Southeast there, Illinois, Iowa, then Wisconsin, Southeast part of North or Minnesota, really pushing into, you know, South Dakota and won't be long before it's kind of everywhere. And tar spot is, is, a, is a tough one, but I think Zyway down early in maybe a setup rate or, you know, even the full rate and then coming back with, with another application and really trying to do the best you can at, at controlling those, those uh, spots as they come in and, and don't let them get carried away. But I think, there's, I think there's a pretty good advantage to putting down the Zyway and then, you know, um, you know really kind of watching your, your crop and making sure it doesn't come back and it's not flipping through with the tar spot. So it might be a two application type of thing with tar spot as it moves into our area. I think so too. And unfortunately in the Dakotas here, we've got a lot of wheat growers that are used to, Hey, I'm probably going to need an early shot of fungicide and I'm probably going to need one late. And so it's really not a surprise to those guys that the same type of strategy would work in corn. Uh, one other thing though, corn that we have an option for is capture LFR at planting time. And I know we're talking about corn disease control, but you talked about the stalk rots in the past. That's been one of the ways that we've tried to fight it by having an insecticide out there. So we don't get the feeding on the root system that often lets diseases in. What have you seen? I know you've got stand guarantees over the years and these types of things with capture because you're noticing it in stand is part of that, that you're having less disease. Well, I think it, I think if you look at you know an insect that's going to come in and take a bite, that's going to open up the wound, like you said. And and anytime you open up a wound in any of these diseases, then there there lets that pathogen into the plant and really causes some issues. So if you can control those insects, whether it be corn rootworm or you know white grub or wireworm from coming up taking a bite and allowing diseases to come in, that's a big deal. Quite honestly, last year there was a lot of guys that that went with the Capture LFR and the Zyway both in the furrow and kind of got the best of both worlds there. So even if they did get some feeding, you know, from some insects in there, the Zyway was there to kind of knock out out the the pathogens, so they weren't able to enter the plant. So both those two together is really a, a powerful mix. But quite honestly, you know, with the traits starting to fail out there and and, and the other things we're seeing with with the with what's going on in corn rootworm with the resistance, uh, capture LFR is kind of a kind of a no-brainer to put it down in furrow. Yeah, I agree. Okay, let's talk about that second shot of fungicide. So we're coming back over the top. You've got a unique product in Lucento, and and obviously you've got the Top Guard product too. Uh, what are you seeing mm-hmm. out of those, and and where are you recommending uh, guys try to apply to get the best results? Well, I think I think a lot of a lot of the fungicide applications are really good, especially when you put down a Zyway application. You know, you're probably not going to worry about disease until maybe way late into the into that reproductive stage. You know, right after tasseling and that that sort of thing. Um, Lucento is a real real good sound punch. You know, with a two mode of action. That's an STHI and a and a very very systemic triazole. 
So guys have had had luck really putting that down, you know, right after R1. Um, you know, like to see 50% black silk out there and that sort of thing when you when you apply it. But really, really good luck with that. Um, and also the top card EQ has 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 shown some pretty good activity on tar spot as well as as the Lucento. So really, those two, the Lucento and the top card EQ, are are really a one-two punch. Um, for for corn guys to to look at, uh, especially in that tar spot application there. So, yeah, I love that you get different modes of action to choose from, whether it's an SDHI in the Lucento or or a strobe in with the Triazole mm-hmm. and a Top Guard EQ. That's kind of a nice thing too, where we can pick one or the other. I know a lot of agronomists have got their feelings about if they want to have a strobe in or if they don't. And Lucento has been a nice option for the guys that say, "Man, I like that multiple mode of action product. I don't necessarily want a strobe for whatever." reason and uh, they've mm-hmm. got something that works and like you mentioned just the the systemic nature is something that we're looking for in fungicides too if we can get something that can move a little bit more that sure offers additional value for for the grower we're talking with sam lockhart with fmc up in north dakota sam uh, had a ton of questions for you, you handled them great i really appreciate having you on today thank you well thank you darren we're talking corn disease control on today's program. And we've got our phone lines open too. If you've got an agronomic question, 844-44-AG-PHD. You can email us as well. I've got a number of email questions that have come into the Ag PhD mailbag. We'll get to those coming up shortly. You're listening to Ag PhD Radio. Stay tuned. came in waves, ruthlessly eliminating the toughest, hard-to-kill grassy weeds in wheat. Everest 3.0 Herbicide, a new formulation, delivers superior flush-after-flush control of wild oats and green foxtail. And Everest 3.0 is registered for use on yellow foxtail, barnyard grass, Japanese brome, and key broadleaf weeds that can invade your wheat and rob your yields. Ask your retailer about Everest 3.0. Always read and follow label directions. Did you know soybean diseases like white mold and sudden death syndrome can survive in your soil even after rotating crops? Prevention of these diseases is a constant battle and yield loss from an infection can be devastating. The right management plan makes all the difference. Keep your beans safe with Heads Up Seed Treatment. Heads Up guards your seed from both white mold and SDS. Stay protected and profitable by asking your seed dealer for Heads Up. Learn more at HeadsUpST.com. How can natural products help you raise bigger and better crops? I'm Darren Hefty. In recent years, natural products have exploded onto the market claiming to improve soil health and plant development. But what's right for your farm? That's why we're devoting a full day to our first ever Ag PhD Naturals Workshop. It's Wednesday, February 16th at the Morton Center near Baltic, South Dakota. Our research team has spent years testing hundreds of natural products. We want to share with you what we've learned. For more about this free event, go to agphd.com. While you're there, check out other Ag PhD events we have coming up in January and February, including agronomy workshops in corn, soybeans, and wheat, a tiling clinic, two days dedicated to helping you understand soils and making your own fertility recommendations, and much more. There's great information here that we want to share with you. So to learn more about these events and register, go to agphd.com. There's a lot of great information here, and we can't wait to share it all with you. To learn more about these events and register, go to agphd.com. 
It's smart to make the right agronomic choices, and it's even smarter to get rewarded for them. With the Bayer Plus Rewards Program, you earn cash back on seed, herbicides, and other eligible products. And it keeps getting smarter, because now you can earn an additional 10% bonus when you send your redemption check to your retailer. To learn more, contact your retailer today. Protect your yields and get the most from your land with Bayer Plus Rewards. Visit MyBayerPlus.com and see program terms and conditions for full details. Fill once, plant all day. The Thrive 3D application system from FMC is a revolutionary in-furrow crop protection platform that plants up to 480 acres between refills. The Thrive 3D application system mounts to most major planter brands and can be yours at no cost with the FMC Freedom Pass program. To learn more, call 815-362-7747 today. Always read and follow all label directions. Welcome back. You're listening to Ag PhD Radio. We're broadcasting from the Martin Studio today, taking your calls and agronomic questions at 844-44-AG-PHD. You can also send us an email, radio at agphd.com. Let's head over to Wisconsin, get our friend Mark on with us right now with a question or two. Mark, how are you doing? Very good. How are you, Brian? We're doing well oh, here. Oh, Darren. That's good. Darren. Hey, good catch. Good catch, Mark. <laughs> so, so I understand you got a question about wheat. What's your question there? Oh, well, so this is what happened, and I thought these people were nuts, but I was feeling stiff and sore. I went to the doctor. They said, we want you to do an elimination diet, and they tested me, and they came back and said, okay, avoid corn, gluten, and dairy. And I said, guys, that's like 70% of my livelihood right there. <laughs> said, yep. <laughs> They said, it's fine. You can still produce high-quality food for other people. Just eliminate it for yourself for a little while. I did. Yeah. It seemed to make quite a difference, uh, surprisingly enough. And now I'm fully introducing all these things back in. But my question is, for, say, wheat in particular, have you ever heard of, a uh, wheat germ that's commercially produced that's easier for people to digest because obviously there's me on a personal level where I want to be able to eat real food again and then as a nation and farmers in the nation we want to sell all the wheat that we can. So if we can make it more digestible, I think that would be a good idea. If, again, if you've ever heard of anything. You know, it's, it's interesting you bring that up, Mark. So when you think about taking things out of your diet, and I, I know you look at uh, lactose-free milk and those kinds of things. Uh, I, I had somebody that, that did a a study there from the dairy industry just talking about other uh, types of milk that are not dairy based and they were talking about the 
footprint that it takes, the carbon footprint on the soil, uh, the fertility, all those kinds of things, and just how dairy is the best way to go. And now, granted, they are very, very biased, but uh, we are certainly right. seeing more of these kinds of things out there. Uh, I know uh, uh, I, gluten gluten intolerance is is a big deal. It really is. There's there's more people than ever. I don't fully understand why we're seeing more of these things today. I mean, when I grew up, and even even just 20 years ago, there there was a big jar of peanut butter at the end of the school lunch aisle. And if you didn't like what the lunch was, well, there's a loaf of bread and, and a bunch of peanut butter there. Well, just help yourself. Right. And now a lot of schools won't allow nuts in the school at all because there's some kids that have just terrible allergies. Brian, you got a take on this? Well, I, I, I don't know why we're seeing, or at least we feel like we're seeing more issues with whether it's gluten intolerance or lactose intolerance, uh, you know, honestly, I do think there always has been some of that. It's just that if you think about the people who lived two or three generations ago, everything was terrible. I mean, not just, well, just it, you compare literally everything about their lives compared to how we live now. Everything was terrible. So I think a lot of people just tolerated feeling bad all the time because they're like, well, everything else stinks. So I guess I just feel bad too. So maybe now we're just more sensitive because of that because, oh, everything else is fantastic. So I also have to feel fantastic every minute of every day. Uh, so maybe we've always had some of this going on. I don't know. But why, why, do, why, why really are we seeing the problem? I, I don't know. And what can we do to make things better? I don't know exactly. I'd like to know. I mean, I'd, I'd like to have it the other way. But when you talk about the dairy thing, what are a lot of people going to? They're going to soy. Well, we also produce soybeans. So I guess either way, I mean, we're, we're going to turn out okay on that deal. As, right. as people who raise, I mean, we raise corn for a dairy, but we also produce soybeans ourselves. So either way, either the soybeans or the corn's getting used. But yeah, on the wheat deal, I, I just, I, I don't know. I, I wish I had the answer. Okay. Well, it, um, on a personal level, uh, I'm sure I'm going to offend someone out there, but I don't like the taste of a lot of these replacement products. And, you know, it's really nothing against them. They're right. trying hard. They're doing their best. I just personally don't prefer the taste. Yeah, and so I mean, nobody can really fault anyone else for what they prefer for taste. Some people like certain things and some people don't. That's just the way it is. But I, I mean, yep. I, I'll just say this, Mark. We're, I think since this has become a much bigger deal in the last few years, I, I mean, I know I personally will pay more attention to it if I can learn something more, if there are some scientists I can talk to, to try to figure this thing out eventually and maybe... Maybe there will be something. I, I, I just, I, I wish I knew what it was, but unfortunately today I don't. All righty. Well, I sure appreciate the advice, Brian, there. Yep, you bet. but if you're ready to call back with any agronomic questions, you know, <laughs> then I, I so give, Throw Brian a softball, Mark. <laughs> Next time you, you go Brian a softball on a water hemp question or something like that. Okay. <laughs> All right. Well, Do thanks, Mark. I should spray water hemp? Would that be an issue? <laughs> Mark, uh, for, I guess I just say this too before I let you go. I'm glad you're feeling better. I'm glad you're feeling better, and okay. uh, hopefully you figure out exactly what's going on. Yeah, I agree with you, so you can eat uh, in your 
your terms, real food or or just your favorite foods again. Okay. Thanks, Thanks Mark. You bet. All right, Brian, uh, had a soil test come in. I don't know. Do you think we have time to get through it? There's quite a few on there uh, from Rick. Did you get that on your email box oh, as well? Uh, uh, yep, I did. So okay. we'll just go ahead. Okay, so Rick, Rick, he's keeping it real simple. He just said, here's my soils. What would you recommend that I do? And where would you recommend that I start? Yeah, keeping it real simple as the biggest possible question that there is, but that's okay. So one of the things I really liked looking at Rick's soil tests is he's got a summary giving us the average, the maximum, and the minimum. So for example, on pH, his average is 5.1, his minimum is 4.5, and his maximum is 7.2. So obviously, we would suggest treating a 4.5 soil different than a 7.2 soil. And the interesting thing is, you know, I don't know how there's not a whole lot of seven. Are. There's not a whole lot of seven point two. It's a lot no, of fours. But and there's fives. a whole no. But there's a whole bunch uh, that. Um, well, let let me put it to you this way: uh, When I take a look at this thing and I see cation exchange capacity is ten, that means that the buffer pH. So in other words, we're dealing with relatively light soil. The buffer pH or buffer index is pretty high. So even though it's a four and a half or four, seven or five, it's not going to take a lot of lime to fix this problem. So that's the good news with this. So I'd get the pH up in those areas that need it. And that's the first thing I would look at. The second thing that I would look at is uh, I, I don't see like a major problem here with phosphorus or potassium like I often do on the soil tests that come in. But we typically talk about base saturation potassium. And his average is 6.9%, which you'd say, oh, well, that's fantastic. But the problem is the average is only 243 parts per million. Well, so here, here's, the other, fine, here's but, the other challenge, though, but, right? Yeah. There's another challenge. They don't have hydrogen there. So it throws off those other numbers in base saturation where I don't necessarily trust them. Yep. I agree with you 100%. So I, I, but nevertheless, 243 parts per million on potassium is not that bad. I'm actually not that concerned. I'm probably more concerned about the phosphorus when the average is only 29 parts per million on a malic 3, which would be similar to a P2 or strong Bray test. So I, if it's me, I'm spending my first money on pH, my second money on phosphorus. Okay. Well, and then my third money is probably zinc because he's basically got no zinc at all in that, in that field. Yeah, we got a few things to build up, but but we do have some good things out there to get that pH adjusted. And sometimes just adjusting that pH can, by, by liming and bringing that pH up, uh, and I would target probably in the low to mid sixes. I wouldn't target a six eight or anything like that. I'd probably target a six three. Definitely not. And and don't overdo the lime. That'd be my biggest recommendation on that. But yep. by doing that, sometimes you do see some other nutrients free up. So that that could be really good money spent. Hey, thanks for the soil test, Rick. And if you've got any follow-up questions, please let us know. Thanks for listening to Ag PhD Radio today. Be sure to join us again each weekday for more agronomic content. And of course, we'll tackle more of your agronomic questions. <music>